What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Chris Pennett. What is it? The Flying Spider is your roller derby name, Chris. I just want to make sure we're getting jumping, that right. Jumping Spider. The Jumping Spider. Even better. Oh. We are here this early morning edition of the Skyhook Podcast to talk about what everybody is kind of being involved with this discourse with what's going on with the Chicago Sky. And yesterday they made a big trade to get Dallas's Marina Mabry, who was a restricted free agent. Chris, we have so much to discuss. How are you feeling at the top of the morning here when before we get into everything that went on yesterday? On its surface, it's what the sky needed uh, purely on its surface, because I talked about them being at that tipping point of needing to stay entertaining, needing to stay relevant in this market after losing all their free agents. That's just on the surface. I think that there was a bit of panic in this trade that we're going to go into more depth about because this draft and the next year's draft are a lot of talent that's going to come in. And the sky gave up a ton of future draft capital just to get Marina Mabry on a sign and trade max, uh, pretty much max deal. But before we get in depth onto the trade, a word from our friends at BetStamp. Skyhook fans, now that this trade has gone through, you might be looking for the best place to play some odds on a futures bet, possibly from the sky to make the finals or even potentially win the 2023 WNBA finals. And for that, you really want to use BetStamp to find the best possible place to place your bet. BetStamp aggregates the lines and odds from six of the most popular North American sports books, including Bet Rivers. FanDuel, and DraftKings. And with BetStamp, you can find the best possible bets to make, odds to make, and you can line shop for those bets and keep track of the bets once you make them in your own personal BetStamp app. You can also shop the available lines, as I said, and follow the most successful bettors in BetStamp, media members and professional bettors in the app itself and follow some of their picks. So. Please check out BetStamp on the Google Play app or the Apple Store and use the code SkyhookPod when you sign up. Thanks once again to our friends at BetStamp, the proud sponsors of this episode of the Skyhook. Well done, my right. friend. <laughs> it is now time to discuss this trade that you and I have been kind of going back and forth about since yesterday. So let's just get into it, my man. I mean... Chicago executed a trade involving the New York Liberty, Phoenix Mercury, and Dallas Wings in a four-team trade that netted this guy, Marina Mabry, who played for Dallas Wings last year. And here's just a full breakdown of the trade. And there's a lot of components to it, but try to keep up if you can. So Chicago receives Mabry via side and trade, and we'll get into her contract in a second. But this guy also got the 2024 second-round pick from Phoenix. York received Lilani uh, Fibich's rights from Chicago, the 2024 second round pick from Chicago, rights to swap first round picks in 2025 with Phoenix. And Phoenix then received Michaela Anyanwere from New York, a 2024 third round pick from Chicago, a 2025 second round pick from Chicago. And Dallas received Diamond to Shields from Phoenix, former Sky guard, I should say, Diamond to Shields, 
the 2023 number five overall pick from Chicago, the 2024 first round pick from Chicago, and the rights to swap 2025 first round picks with Chicago. That is a haul. And Richard Cohen of Her Hoop Stats reported that Mabry has signed a three year deal that will pay her $202,000 in her first year, $208,000 in her second year, and $210,000 in the last year of the contract. Let's start here, Chris. Do you like this for the Chicago Sky? Weak draft, weak draft, strong draft aside, there's a lot of talent coming up the pipeline. We can all agree on that. Yes. Chicago fans have been watching a new tomorrow for two years now, and there's a high, high possibility that she would come out as a junior. I want to get your, your, your feelings on that too. I think that the way she's played, it's not, it doesn't seem like a, a situation like you have with uh, pivot players in the Big Ten, like uh, Megan Gustafson and, and, excuse me for saying, Monica Cinzano, where they excel at the college ranks but would have a tougher time matriculating to the pro game. I think Anissa Morrow would have a much easier time with that. So just on, the, on its face, you're probably losing out on a prime chance to get a local talent, which is somebody who, somebody who you could get would not be fully a copper type star star level, but could replace that franchise that local franchise space idea that you had with Candace Parker. Mm-hmm. Somebody that you could grow under your banner and and put into your system if you're James Wade and then have them star and have local people just even who are interested in DePaul and not the sky, which I'm sure that there's not that many of yet, but you could pull more of those people in. You're giving a ch- you're giving up a chance at that right now. Secondly, high dollar contract, Mabry is 26. She's shown that she can lead an offense. She's shown that she can score well in the WNBA. So you probably weren't going to get away with anything less, but it's still a fairly steep price. As Peter Kilkelly of Five Out Basketball said, at her age, that's not really a terrible contract given what she's already produced, unless she just somehow just lays a gigantic egg for three years. But the draft capital is what I keep coming back to and you probably weren't going to be able to, to sign Michaela Onyanwede maybe and stay under the cap, but you at least get a chance. I think you get a chance to get another player and not just a second-round pick next year. That's a lot. It's a lot to give up, and it smells of desperation in some regards. I do want to touch on that last aspect a little bit later, but in terms of just, like, beyond-court stuff, I don't mind Marina Mabry at that number, quite honestly. I think she has proven enough over the last couple of years in Dallas for her, someone who hasn't been an all-star, but is like ran the precipice of it. And that if Marina Mabry can come in and again, potentially help keep Ka in Chicago, that this is a move that I'm I'm just kind of curious, like what the negotiating table looked like and what those conversations looked like, because James Wade and Kalia Copper both spent time at USA Basketball with Marina Mabry for like four days. Mm -hmm. And all the talk right now is Kalia Copper is the face of the franchise. She's got one year remaining left on her deal. She says that, hey, we got to go get Marina Mabry, someone who has the same type of grit as Ka. I don't think I've ever watched a game where (laughs) Marina Mabry wasn't talking shit or someone was like pushing her off just to be like, get out of my face type of thing. Like Marina Mabry is kind of perfect for what 
the sky are building from a philosophy standpoint of just like we're going to be gritty you know we're going to try to make up i mean we can get to the other acquisitions later and how they fit with the sky but james wade is clearly trying to build an identity off of toughness and you can do much worse than marina mabry that's that that said though what you just said about the draft picks i get the giving up a 2024 2024 first round pick i think if if i was a gm i would just try to push just the number five pick in this situation because i don't think james values that pick as much not reporting that haven't talked to him in months but if uh the number five pick i thought was really going to be like just just given that marina mapery was a restricted free agent and i thought that they could potentially just get away with just the one pick the 2024 first round pick doesn't bother me as much because this guy went 26 and 10 last year. And if you're getting a player like Marina Mabry and you already have Kalia Copper, I think there's enough of a foundation there where you can actually win a few games that could actually potentially like push you out of the top four, uh, not top four, excuse me, the bottom four. Um, I think that, it it just becomes more difficult when you think about like this being a two-year accumulation when it comes to the lottery odds. That 2025 first round pick is not something I would have given up in this deal. Not even just like a Nisamoro, like Angel Reese, dude. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Angel Reese is her. Angel Reese is freaking her, man. She is She's had such a brilliant season. A beast has gotten better each year, a bit from an efficiency standpoint. You know, she still has to figure out the free throw free throw issues, but that's the only thing you're worried about. Like she has that she's like the ultimate competitor. I'm just so bullish on her, I wouldn't have given up an opportunity to lose her in 2025. Do you like this strategy though of Wade going all in and trying to stay competitive in what is kind of a retooling, rebuilding era for this guy right now? Well, no, because when you go all in, you're going all in to win a championship, I think, like this guy did a couple of years ago. You go all in with proven superstar talent that you have some idea to mesh together very quickly. Again, I keep coming back to it because I understand the results didn't bear it out until the playoffs started, and maybe until that weekend in Seattle. That team didn't have a great regular season. But they ended up bringing it together and winning a championship, which we pretty much knew that they could. And then the next season looked all the way like a championship contender and really were until the closing moments of game five of the semifinals. This team on paper should be fun, should connect with the community. I know our man Eric was really happy about getting Elizabeth Williams. And I like that signing. That's a very low risk signing. Um, Courtney Williams is not as, is not as, as, great for me because she's she's still a volume scorer and she doesn't give you much on the defensive end but you're filling out a roster at that point i I feel much better about isabel harrison and elizabeth williams on even short-term deals but the getting marina mabry isn't the problem what the cost was for getting marina mabry is the problem that's the tough part you don't give up that kind of draft capital for a team that's going to go 10 10 or 11 games over 500. You give it up for a team that's going to shoot the world in the back and make the, I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I used that analogy. (laughs) We're going to clip that analogy. You don't give up that much draft capital for a team that's going to go 10 games over 500 
and have a decent playoff run. You give it up for a team that is going to clear everyone else off the deck, have everybody talking about them, push Vegas and New York out of the headlines somehow, and, and win the finals in a walk. It's, there's so much talent coming up the pipeline. There's so much. You know, I know you mentioned Angel Reese, but I, there's so much talent that's coming through. It's not just, it's not just her. And man, the one thing that I've always cast aspersions on since we started doing this is James Wade's draft is James Wade's drafting. That's been, I think the one thing that he has had trouble with the most. And it seems like he, instead of just, I don't know whether there was any, any difficulty with, well, we don't want to mess around with draft picks and see who will or won't hit and try and go for the gusto. Now, it, like I said, it seems like they panicked in the other direction of keeping the team relevant in the headlines, because you have to recover in some way from losing all of those free agents. I just don't think this is the way to do it. It's a very steep price for a really good player, but I agree. This is the type of move in terms of the draft capital involved that you put in, like you put, you go all in. If you think you're going to win a championship, I don't think that the, this is that move that you make necessarily, even if you love Marina Mabry. And again, I think that she has really grown as a facilitator since she's come into this league. And she was really tested last year when Arike Agumbawale went down. And it's not like Marina Mabry is running the offense every single time down the floor. It's not what, the, what was going on in Dallas last season. Veronica Burton really stepped up in her role as a facilitator. And again, they gave her that opportunity also because I mean she really was a poor long-distance shooter last year. So having Marina Mabry roam off the ball makes a little bit more sense in that situation than just have Veronica Burton, whatever. Um, I think what's interesting, though, is that when Arike was out, that there was this nine-game sample size that I was looking through PBP stats as database for. So from July 28th to August 15th, Marina Mabry was eighth in total assists and fourth in at-the-rim assists. And she did that with, I would argue, not the greatest front court. I like Tierra McCowan a lot. I get why Dallas wanted to have her back. I think there's some upside there. But Marina Mabry was able to create for her teammates last year. And when I look at this Sky roster, I don't think there's necessarily like the perfect person to be, quote-unquote, running the offense, like Slute, for, for example. But maybe that's an unreal expectation, too, to be like, okay, now you have to go replace the number three all-time assist leader and run the exact same offense that we were running before. Maybe that's not going to happen here. But if we were going to project the starting lineup, it could potentially look like Courtney Williams... Marina Mabry, Kalia Copper, and then Isabel Harrison and Elizabeth Williams. There's not like there's a lot of secondary ball handlers that I think that are going to be really good in that system, but not having like a quote unquote true point guard. And I would be surprised if Julie Alamon is back. All I'm saying is that this team, while Marina Mabry has, again, she did really well last season, the second half. Can she run an offense for 40 games? I think that's also something with just looking at the how the roster is shaping out where we don't necessarily know how this is all going to look and maybe this guy have something up 
their sleeve here in terms of adding another facilitator, but I don't know. It just, I don't, I, I'm trying to think about how this is all going to work together. And it's not as clear to me as it felt almost last night when I was watching a lot of film on these players. I think that in this, in this regard, unless your first blush at this trade is either the sky going to lose 80% of their games or, oh, snap, the sky are well in the championship consideration. Unless you're at those two extremes, pretty much any first impression you have of this trade is, is right. Which, which is weird because it's, it's, it's a trade that's not all bad. It's a trade that's decent. But you're, like I said, there's just so much in the mix. And I think that there's some talents that are fairly proven and which fit with the system that we've seen James Wade run that would be in those drafts, either this coming year, next year, or the year after. And so that's the problem with it. That's, that's really the problem with letting those draft picks go. As to the actual system that we're going to run, I think that there's more propensity here for the sky to be, to really try to make their brand off of defense turnovers, getting stops and pushing the ball the other direction with the team that they have, rather than being that pass first, pass happy San Antonio Spurs type team that they've been for the last few years. One, because again, you have Courtney Randerson's gone too. You won't have Candace Park and most likely won't have Emma Meesman at the high post to run the offense there. And without Julie Alleman, you have that, you don't have that as well. We've seen Dana Evans game grow this off season over this overseas season, I should say. But really, I think it's been about broadening her scoring toolbox as opposed to passing as much. She can, she is still a point guard. Every point guard knows how to pass in some way, but it's not going to be Courtney Vanderson light. Um, I think the most that you would really get that from is Marina Mabry. And I think it's for the, for the fans of this guy who were unhappy seeing them pass up a very good shot for a great shot. I think that they're going to get their, their wish this year. They're going to see some of those good shots actually taken and go for it. But It'll definitely be a different team. It's the, it's the lightest way to say that. I just, there's a lot of question marks. And even in terms of bringing fans in, they're going to have to, they're going to have to get a little early for some of those question marks to be reproven. I, I want to ask you something. Mm -hmm. With this kind of a deal and for bringing in um, Raina Mabry, who's played with Philippe Copper. How do you think that she'll resonate with the, with the current fan base? If you like cause intensity, <laughs> you're really going to like Marina Mabry's intensity. I mean, <laughs> even her sister, they, it's just something in their genes, man, where they're just, they're competitors. Look, I'm, I know that I bring up a lot of st stats when I come on this show and everything. And I get that that's kind of probably a little bit more of a modern look. I'm still old school that I'll always take those players who are just, Will do anything to win that whoever's in front of them they just want to annihilate them i just as someone who's covered high school basketball for a little bit i i kind of see that disappearing from at least the younger age groups and i think that if you are the sky and you just watched a team like the connecticut sun who were not as talented as chicago the way that they were able to win was by being gritty by being tough, being overly physical. And you can say all you want 
about how the officiating was in that series. I, I'm surprised that some of the things that uh, that went on there were allowed <laughs> to continue. I forgot it's, about that. It still happened. I mean, it still worked out in Connecticut's favor by just, again, being super physical and trying to, again, like just push the, the team that's more talented to the brink by like winning the mental game. And when you have Kalia Copper, Courtney Williams, and Marina Mabry, I get why you would try to build an identity around that, quite honestly. Because, look, this this team, just based on the all-time talent alone from last year, is not going to be as talented in 2023. And you got to, I mean, and also I still don't think that this move puts them in the championship conversation either. And again, I'm, I just have some questions about the front court, even though I love the Elizabeth Williams signing. I think Chicago's really going to like Marina Mabry, but you can tell that they really got used to winning and being in that conversation and being at the top. And I don't know we're going to be having that conversation in July, Chris, but what do you think in terms of how Marina Mabry is going to fit in with the sky? Well, we, the one thing I can say is that there's a lot of things going on around the league that we still need to see how the how the how the chips fall. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas is still under investigation. Las Vegas is still under fucking investigation. Let's not forget that. And no matter how optimistic Liberty fans can be, and they have every reason to be so, they still have to see how everything fits together. Kind of the same way that the Sky had to, had Sky had fans had to wait and see how things were going to go for their team in 2021. So there's that. You have a chance you have a possibility of just figuring things out early on, surprising some people, making your way in the league through, again, one of the longest, well, I guess at this point, every season until we finally get a cap of regular season games is the longest season in WNBA history, right? So this team, this group is going to have to mesh. That's the important thing. There are teams that can win on talent, Hit the, hit the press conference, hit the exit door, and not talk to each other that much for the next week or so. This team is going to have to mesh. No, no, you know what I mean. It's like yeah. This team is going to have to mesh. They're going to have to mesh in order to get ahead. So the, the pieces are not as delicate. It's not like a, a clock or a watch or something, but they're going to have to work very well. You can't have gears grinding that much. You need that continuity and chemistry in order for this team to succeed. I completely agree with you. It is probably the most important thing WNBA teams have to value is that continuity. The 2021 Sky versus the 2022 Sky are obviously different teams, different players, but the the core that was there was just clicking more than it did because they were just used to playing with one another. And Candace is the first person to say that. She said, we sucked last year. There's another level for us to get to. Well, I think they got to that level. I mean, again, they didn't get to the finals. Big disappointment and everything. But they went 26-10. and 10. They were dominant. And I don't know what happened after that for them not to get to the finals. But, man, the continuity is just such an important thing in the WNBA when you're off playing with other players at different roles in different leagues in the off season, then have to come back. And then weeks later, you're already again, having to adjust to new rules and everything or like rules that are just different. And with the sky, 
I mean, they only had at one point all that was left on the roster from the 2021 team was Kalia Copper, Dana Evans, and Ruthie Hebert, who once again is just buried on the depth chart. Unless, I mean, I think the the salary figures say that she's going to be buried on the depth chart again. So I, the Sky are not coming into this with continuity. And I want to talk about the desperation part if you're go, moving on to that section. Please, please do. Kalia Copper said something that I really wish that I was in the room to hear just like the tone of it. But Annie went to any costable of the Sun-Times, um, got the okay to go to Minnesota, which awesome that the see the Sun-Times invest in sending a reporter out there, not even in season for the WNBA. One thing that Annie reported on was that Kalia Copper did not request a trade out of Chicago when all of this was going down. She had an interesting little bit too about Courtney Vandersloot being like, why did you take the two-year deal? I mean, you could have taken a one year and just have your options open for the next year. And when I talked to her, I mean, she's like, I like Chicago. It's that simple. And James Wade also said the same thing. It's like, this is, she's built something here with us. Like you guys don't get it in the media sense of like, this isn't like you can just move players around and make it just because of the on-court fit. There's much more to that. And I believe that, but this is what Kalia told Annie the other day she said and this is on like not requesting a trade out of Chicago she said sometimes you have to roll with the punches I have a year on my contract you go through the year see how it goes and then you never know again oh. it's, it's one of those quotes again that I wish I was in the, the room to hear because the tone of this it could mean so many other things that could be a positive thing of just being like you know what I wanted to roll with the punches this year like I she is close with James Wade and she's now the face of the franchise. She's the leader in Chicago. That's a role that she's been preparing for at some point. But that also means that the Sky have to do kind, like they have to prove to Kalia Copper in the way that they could have, they probably should have done the same thing with Sloot and Candace Parker last year, is prove why she should stay there long-term. And the pressure, I think, is up in Chicago right now because... Just looking at this from a media perspective, Chris, like from this entire offseason, the Sky were not really taking interviews to talk about the offseason or talk about what's coming in free agency. There's only a handful of people that got interviews with James Wade about things that, not, that are not related to what's going on in free agency. Like Annie had to travel to Minnesota to get a quote just to talk about what's going on because, again, the Sky have just given this vague timeline of we'll talk like later in February. That's what I've gotten. I think it's just very interesting how there's just been some silence and about all the, like all that's been going on. And yes, they talked to the Chicago Tribune, but the people that they talked to are also haven't been around the team as long, which I think is fair to say. And that, Pushing back on some of the things that Annie has reported on, I mean, it's just easier to do an interview with people that are newer to the situation than it is with the people that are older. And I think that the timing of all of this, and when you think about transparency, man, like think about how the Las Vegas Aces conducted their interview or like conducted the press conference with Candace Parker. They only called on people who they knew that they weren't going to be really asking mm -hmm. about what was going on with Derek Hamby. 
Kind of same with this situation with, again, giving an exclusive to not the Chicago Sun-Times. Let's just say that. I do think they are feeling some pressure right now. And that landing Marina Mabry, who, again, I think is upside, is going to be an all-star this year. Like, I think that she has that potential in an offense that might feature her a little bit more, too, now that she's not playing alongside Arike Agumbawale. It becomes just, okay, there's a lot of pressure to make a deal like that where you're giving up all this draft capital and the sky are feeling the pressure. I mean, again, think about how they put together the new ownership announcement. We got a two-hour notice that a new co-owner was going to be introduced. That is not enough time to like prepare. And it felt kind of rushed, quite honestly. We didn't get that many questions in there for we only got like one or two questions each for Michael Alter um kind of the same thing with Nadia Rawlinson who again still hasn't even been announced as the co-owner yet the sky are feeling the pressure if you're just looking at the tea leaves and again I would have loved to have talked to try to sort out some of everything that's going on and hear the sky's perspective but they declined that opportunity so we're left here, and you read looking at all these things and how the WNBA is run in terms of transparency here. I think the Sky are feeling the pressure right now, and that's one of the reasons why I think fans are just wondering, like, why did they make a move where they give up their future, right? And James Wade is signed for the next few years as the general manager. He's going to be the one potentially making those picks, or like he would have been the one making those picks, but decided to get rid of all of those in the front office. I also just want to make sure it's like, it's also the front office that is involved. It's not just James Wade. It's a big bet. And like you said before, man, it just reeks of desperation, even though they're getting a really quality player who at the top of this offseason, I was like, guys, like, I think this guy should go fucking get Marina Mabry. She'd be perfect alongside a Kalia Copper. So sorry for the tangent, but I think all these things put in like, like listing off all these things and how they all went down. It's pretty critical of like just looking at where the sky are at as a franchise right now. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of that going on, I think, not just with the sky, but with the with team, other teams in the league. Um, when they don't have good news or when there's questions being asked, I think a lot of teams are turtling, to put it lightly. And we see this not just in the WNBA, but we're seeing this with the NWSL as well. And it's a terrible look. Transparency is the only thing that's really going to breed trust in your fan base and in the people who are outside of your fan base. You know, not talking about the meatballs, not talking about those those remaining few who are still like trying to brush off every woman's sports highlight, every woman's sports um, news item. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who are actually on the verge of, of interest, being interested, willing to talk with people about things like Angel Reese, willing to at least ask, okay, what's the big deal today about this LSU South Carolina matchup I keep seeing? Why do people keep saying that's the Super Bowl? Those people. I'm talking about that middle ground. So when you have teams like the Aces who still haven't given a report and cut reporters off and act like Nikki Fargus wasn't on a call when she clearly was, <laughs> when you have the league who is giving out milk toast penalties for tampering, 
or or breaking or bending the rules, which I, I we, we haven't really discussed the possibility of what's going to happen with Las Vegas. But if we're talking about tipping points, this is a big tipping point for the league because either they set a precedent that they're not going to handle it, that they're not going to handle this correctly, or they set the precedent that they're not going to take that from teams trying to supersede the, sal- the, uh, the salary cap in a way. And the same thing for the sky. You can't reap the rewards of bringing a city its first basketball championship in nearly 30 years. And then when things go sour, just say, oh, well, you know, that's not something that we can really discuss. No, you've got to talk about it. You have to. You can't bring home a report card with all A's and then get pizza and then bring home a report card with two B's and act like somebody else gave you the report card or just say, I'm not taking questions at this time. You know what would have happened if that happened to me? I can't, it's not something I can repeat on the air because parents operate differently these days, but it wouldn't have been good. (laughs) Sky cannot be opaque about this. You have to be transparent. At some point, you have to say, here's what our plan is. Even if you allude to it, I know you can't give up too much information as a business, as an organization that is dealing with 11 other rivals in your sphere. But you have to give the fans some idea of what's going on. Because there's so much shit to do nowadays. I could pick up my phone and get lost in a game for 30 minutes. You know how long a WNBA game takes? Running time, with commercials, with halftime? About three, you know, about three times that. So a third of that game, you might have lost to me playing Angry Birds or something. You have to capture this audience and hold it. And you can't do that. The moves are one thing. Bringing in the players is one thing. But you have to be honest with your audience. And these teams, this organization, this league as a whole has been very deceptive with their audience. And there's a lot of people who have been dedicating their lives to that league, to these teams that are getting tired of this shit. So I know we talk about basketball here and we're supposed to talk about basketball here when I'm not making far-fetched analogies about report cards. But be honest. Sky, Chicago Sky, WNBA, be honest. Because the people who support you can see through the bullshit when you lie to them. And at a certain point, they hit their limit. I think and now we're from our sponsor. No. We should definitely get to that. Um, but before we do, though, I just want to make one last point. I know people are fed up with it. And there's people that I know within the league who've said the understanding the media dynamics of just because it's an honest opinion doesn't mean it's personal. And trying to shut down reporters and not speak to them then after that hurts the league and the growth and the trajectory of the league. Man, we have, we can literally have a blueprint for how a league can rise up and become a global phenomenon in the, in the NBA. The NBA did this in the 80s. And the way, it wasn't just because of how great the entertainment was, because David Stern understood the importance of constant media dialogue. That begins to wane when, again, for since the season ended, since the media availability ended, the Chicago Sky did not take interviews to discuss what was going to be going on in the off season. And they did in 2021, a little bit more, 
you know? And guess what? There was a constant discourse. And guess what? The Sky were still, I mean, they were in a similar situation outside of like coming off a championship, but there was a lot of question marks heading into that free agency period. Like Candace almost retired, man. And then she said like to Richard Deutsch of uh, the athletic just, or Deitch, excuse me, about how that she had to make her decision in February where she was like, you know what? Actually, I think I'm down to take another crack at this thing. Like you don't have to show your entire hand. That's not what the media is asking for. We are just asking to have a chance to discuss some of the things so that one fans don't have to conjure their own ideas about what's going on with the sky and speculate what this could be or what that could be. And also you you hurt them more than you hurt the media. And one thing that I can't emphasize enough, Chris, is that we are having, like globally, honestly, globally, we are seeing journalists getting laid off left and right. Same thing is happening in tech. Those are the two industries that are getting laid off the most right now. And if I'm a sports editor, I have limited resources. Am I sending a reporter to a league? I know I would get an interview where I know that I, I will have a story filed for print the next day? Or do I send it to a, a, the league that you don't always know if you're going to get an interview? You don't always know if practice is going to start at the time or is going to end at the time that it's going to end at. And you don't know if you're going to be able to get an interview and have a story ready and then have to have a backup option. The backup options are, they are dissipating right now because again, Newsrooms are getting smaller. Staffs are getting smaller. You have to have guarantee that you're going to be able to get a story when you send a reporter out into the world. You can't say that about the WNBA every time right now, man. This is something that we whispers to the media section that we talk about. Not, I'm not talking about the skies specifically. I'm just talking generally. This is a big problem for the WNBA. And again, I understand how hard it is to be reported on. I, man, like I, it's such a hard thing to sign up for, especially in this age where words spread like wildfire. Anyone can say anything at any point and you're just subject to it. Like I, I can't tell you how much I think about that anytime I write an article and I, ha and I consciously think about how I'm phrasing everything that I put in and put out into the world because of that. But then there's also things that are just we have to talk about because honesty and transparency is what is needed in this industry right now when people are consuming more content than ever before and are trusting the press less than they've ever had before. And it is a critical moment for the WNBA to recognize what the press's role actually is. None of this is personal. None of it's personal. When I say, let's just like, again, like, let's like, we're to say, like, I gave this guy an F for this trade. Let's just say that isn't because I hate James Wade and I don't. It's because my honest analysis for the people that subscribe and take 15 minutes out of their day to read my shit, I have to be honest with them. I think this guy kind of shot themselves in the foot again with how they operated this offseason. And I'm sorry to just, again, it's just, it's, it's not just frustrating for me. And this is a league wide problem. And I'll be curious to see when we get to hear about 
these guys off season, whether that's again, like they said, late in February, or maybe they're ready to start talking about what's, what's been going on. So with that, Chris, do you want to read off our, uh, our second sponsor here? Of course. Skyhook fans, you might be trying to get a feel for the best bets to make for the upcoming WNBA season, and we found an excellent tool to help with that. BetStamp. It can be difficult for even the most savvy of sports bettors like myself and James, we're rich, you can tell by our clothes, <laughs> to keep track of their wagers. And for novices like yourself, it's nearly impossible to know where to start. But with BetStamp, you can shop the available lines at the most popular sports books in order to find the best value. Then keep track of your bets in one handy place within the BetStamp app. Plus, you can follow the most success- successful BetStamp users and media personalities and analyze their picks in order to make yours better going forward. So download BetStamp today and use the code SKYHOOKPOD when you sign up. That's a big one. That's a big thumbs up from Chris and James. Honestly, I, I do want to say I've been using BetStamp and I, I do like it. I can keep track. Of, of my bets throughout the day and honestly sports betting is interesting even if you're not just looking for WNBA there's some really interesting things you can put wages on sports small around the world so um, if you've heard about these parlays same game parlays and are looking for a little bit more of an explanation or just trying to find exactly what you want to bet on whether it's um, over under in points whether it's whether a team will win or lose or whether they will cover a spread that stamp can really help with that. So I'm all in on supporting our sponsor and I appreciate them. Outside of just the read and everything, I've shown my friends that stamp and they really enjoy it. They're like, oh, this is what I've been looking for to just have everything in one place for all of my bets. And I'm like, yeah, I'm surprised that this isn't something that was developed sooner. And you know what? That stamp is right there on the cutting edge of it. So with that in mind, though, or that aside, I should say, the sky did acquire multiple players since we last talked on the podcast, Chris. They signed Courtney Williams to a one-year $160,000 protected deal, according to Richard Cohen, who has all the details on the contracts that I'm about to name. Isabel Harrison signed for a two-year $320,000 protected deal, and Elizabeth Williams signed for a two-year $270,000 protected deal. And the sky also brought back a stew-do fall. We play on the team in 2018, 2019, and 2021, and she's back on a unprotected one-year $115,000 deal. A stew do fall, man. Hard to find a more joyous person than a stew. Oh man, I, stuff, I still I yeah. want I, I just I want everybody to remember had the the Eric Hamby uh, out of bounds infraction not been allowed to continue. <laughs> <laughs> Astu would have had the biggest shot in Sky history prior to them winning the final. So y'all feel the fucking vibes, at least in that regard. There will be a stew, which means that I have to try and break out my slightly getting better Spanish at some press conference this year. Hell yeah, man. I mean, I know there was people that were impressed with you breaking that out at a press conference. I think it was like two years ago. I'm like, okay, Chris, I see you. Um, I, like, I got to do something. I think that was before we started. Yeah. <laughs> just looking at across again like these four acquisitions the sky had what was your first impression like is there anyone particular that sticks out to you when you look at what james wade and the front office did to put together this roster 
I think Elizabeth Williams is is a glue person. Um, I really read through Eric Nemchuk's um, analysis of that trade, which was pretty much a, either a, it was either a gift or just him saying like yes, being very excited. <laughs> and I, I trust Eric in terms of player fit. Just did that little like quick analysis of how fans will react to players, how players will fit within the team and the and the community framework. I think she's a great guy for filling out a roster in a season where I really thought that when when she was picked up along with Izzy Harrison, that this was a team that was going to kind of just hold the line and play out the season, not expecting a whole lot. Courtney Williams is another player to fill out a roster. I want to see how she, you know, what her role is going to be. I don't think that she's a full-time starter at this point, which is early in her career, but she's got to kind of maneuver that role of starting when the need arises, playing 20 minutes off the bench, playing 20, 25 minutes off the bench. And as long as she's comfortable with that, that's cool. So I think the, the picks in terms of just like holding the line outside of what we've discussed for the last 30 minutes, not bad. I don't think that they're bad acquisitions, like I said, to fill out a roster. That's really what this guy we're aiming to do before the four-team trade. And at that point, I would have said, okay, pick up who you've got. I like go forward with who you've got. Let's get some Ruthie Hebert time. Again, we are denied our Ruthie Hebert time. <laughs> and if there was anybody I was going to, you know, I, I will say that. If there's anybody I would like to have explored moving in a trade, it would have been Ruthie. Because even as much as she hasn't had a chance to get extended run in her time in Chicago outside of the, the bubble year, I think there's teams that would have taken a shot on her to at least fill out a larger uh, role as a rotation player. And if you do move Ruthie, then maybe you get some draft capital back. But I think the trade showed that not really, this guy are not really looking into draft capital for, for the foreseeable future. So decent moves. I'll say that. Decent moves, nothing really wrong with them. It's a really interesting collection of talent, I'll say, because it's we've seen the sky value bigs who can shoot. And Isabel Harrison and Elizabeth Williams are, I wouldn't necessarily say that those are two players that are going to step out from beyond the arc, or I'll just say like step out from beyond the arc and shoot. Elizabeth Williams is a really underrated rim protector. And I wrote this for the next as well. So from 2020 to 2022, Elizabeth Williams had the fifth most blocks at the rim out of Ooh. everyone in the WNBA. And her block rate has never dipped below 4% outside of last year. And that's just because her, I mean, again, she just didn't have the minutes that she had when, like when she was in Atlanta, let's just say. And I think she had, honestly, you can do a lot worse than what Elizabeth Williams got on that two-year deal. It's like $135,000 a year for an elite rim protector. Like, I like this for this guy after they lost Azure Stevens, who, again, in her limited minutes, was someone that led the league at blocks at the rim last year. You know, Emma Meeseman and Candace Parker, obviously, are two bigs that alter shots at the rim. To get Elizabeth Williams after missing out on those names, I think is a really solid get. I think that's a really underrated move that not a lot of people I've seen on Twitter give the sky their flowers for. If you want to use that phrase, still, um, I <laughs> that phrase jump the shark. Is that what you say? I uh, I I feel like 
give my flowers is the same thing of we don't talk enough about blank and i just i feel like we've just overused it to a certain extent but the flowers one is much more forgivable than we don't talk enough about blank because i'm telling you we talk enough about blank there's someone out there talking enough about blank um the courtney williams move was not one that i necessarily saw coming i I think that if you were going into this offseason, let's just say like this guy had any idea about what the the five people that left were going to do. Um, I, I got to feel like they must have had some idea potentially, you know, like maybe maybe that's just me pushing with my own ideas. But I do think going into this offseason, knowing that Kalia Copper for sure is going to be under on the team in 2023, that you surround her with as much shooting as you can, which is why I love the Marina Mabry deal. She's someone that, again, like, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think she shot over 40% on 98 catch and shoot opportunities last year. Like she's someone that that. she is really freaking solid. Courtney Williams takes a lot of inefficient shots and I'm going to try to find it real quick, but I think Courtney Williams she took 191 long mid-range attempts, which PDP stats classifies as shots from 14 feet out to the three-point line. She took 191 of those shots, which led the league. The sky for the entire season only took 300 of such shots. Again, different team, but in terms of an efficiency standpoint, those are just not the ones that you want someone like Courtney Williams to take and any like again if you're taking inefficient shots when Kalia Copper is one of the best downhill scorers in the WNBA it's proven that she again she's still building even though like she's at this point in her career like seven years in or something like that like she's still getting better and better each year as a shooter just think you probably would want someone on the offensive end that makes a little bit more sense for her but they also talked about the gr- loving the grit of Courtney Williams. So if you're, again, if you're building a team based off philosophy as well, I get it from that sense, but I don't love the inefficiency from someone like Courtney Williams, who actually thrives more in a free-flowing offense, who, if you give her enough freedom, she can go get a bucket. Maybe we see that in the second unit a little more this year, but if Kalia Copper's on the floor, I want her to be the one to be like, hey, do what you got to do to get to the rim. And like, I know that Kalia Copper, her efficiency numbers are what I want. I want that person to be the one taking the most shots. So we've seen Courtney Williams adjust to like she did against the sky in the semifinals compared to what she looked like in the first round against Dallas too. So maybe there's something there that again, if this was all, if we could figure out a Chicago sky roster based off a calculator, this guy would have done that. So I'm trying not to just, completely use the calculator to uh, assess this one, but I think the eye test probably suggested too, but what do you think about yeah. that? I mean, do you like Courtney Williams on the sky? I hate to say that I'm not a, a fan of Courtney Williams on, on many teams, but it's tough to find a really good spot for volume scores to fit and stick. And I think with, with players, I want them to, if I say I like them, I want them to be somewhere where they're going to last for at least three seasons at this point. And, you know, she, she's okay playing out um, short-term deals, but I don't know 
I don't know how the fit will work. I think there will be at least one game, maybe two, where she and Dana Evans are just draining shots at a ridiculous clip for like a three-minute stretch, and the fans are going fucking nuts. But there will be some games where either she or Dana or both are cold, and you're getting a really tough rut. Now, you have players around them that can negate that. Like, you have, you can turn the ball over and get fast breaks with Ka. You can get a run out from Mabry. You get to, I think you will get to the line more yes. with this team. That is something that we've talked about with this guy for a long time. Their uh, trouble getting to the free throw line, whether it was to do, whether it was to do with, uh, you know, just calls or no. But this is a team that's just going to have a better chance of getting to the free throw line, getting to the foul line. So that is one thing that we'll definitely see, and that's one way that they'll be able to score um, if the shots are not falling. I will say that. But it's it's tough, man. The, the situation from Atlanta is still kind of leaving a bad taste in my mouth, and I know we're a couple years removed from it, but it's still hard to get over it. And with, you know, sometimes you get, you get that with players who play with emotion, who play... Um, outwardly like you're gonna have to kill me to get this ball out of my hands there's nothing wrong with that but if, if you keep it on the floor that's fine and i and i, I really don't like that that's still stuck in my head but it was such a it was such a big and lousy moment for Courtney and for we're still seeing the the ramifications for kennedy carter too right like hmm. so I want Courtney. I want Courtney Williams to succeed. I want her to shoot like forty-five percent this season, and that'll be great. That'll be great, not just for the sky, but for her career longevity. But I'm not sold on the deal right now. I think what helps the sky in this situation is that it's a one-year deal. It helps you get to the cap floor that they need. I mean, you have to spend money on someone. Maybe it's an overpay for Courtney Williams, which. I'm not going to push back too hard on that. I guess I'm curious, how does Rebecca Gardner fit into all of this? Someone who's a reserve free agent who can only negotiate with this guy at this time. And James Wade told Annie, Annie Costable, I got to stop doing that. Um, told Annie Costable that he expects Rebecca Gardner to be with this guy in 2023. So like, she'll be with, with us in 2023. So how does this how do the rotations really work out? Because a part of me thinks, hey, I'd rather give Rebecca Gardner maybe a, a two-year deal. I don't again, we don't know what what's going on with the front office at all, but I'd rather give Rebecca Gardner a multi-year deal than eat 160K for one year of Courtney Williams, potentially. But again, we also don't know what Kalia Copper is saying as well, not about Rebecca Gardner, who she loves. She's the one that advocated for Rebecca Garner to be on the team last year because they played together, played against each other as well. Like, I am curious, like, okay, if Kyle wanted Courtney Williams, you give her Courtney Williams. And she playfully said at the USABB media availability that she's the assistant GM. Um, She made that joke. And I mean, it's maybe that, I mean, obviously it is a joke, but she's probably having some input about how this roster is going down as the face of the franchise that this is Chicago for a reason forget who created that, but kudos to you. I guess I'm curious about how Rebecca Gardner fits into all of this because I mean, we got, I think we agree that she was phenomenal last season, right? Yes. So who knows? <laughs> who knows, man? I, all I know is you got to get Rebecca Gardner back. 
gotta make sure she comes in because part of that whole turning teams over is getting a player like Rebecca Gardner back in. And let's be honest, you can't live with only one season of Rebecca Gardner top shot clinic. You, 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 you can't. <laughs> you gotta get at least two seasons of that. You can't have had all the all the last year of the post, the press, the publicity. I got into an argument with some random Atlanta Dream fan on Twitter, for goodness sake, about Rebecca Gardner being possible, <laughs> getting rookie of the year votes, bro. You can't make sure Rebecca Gardner's re-signed, dog. That's all I got to say about it. We're talking about having that toughness and that being the thing that they're going to lean on this year. Rebecca Gardner goes immediately to the top of the list of people that I want on my team. You know, she's super gritty, like again, off the court. She like the sweetest person on earth. And then on the court, she's going to go after you. She plays physically. She fits too much into the team identity and I'm, Curious how Dana fits into all this too. If they have Courtney Williams, Rebecca Gardner, Marina Mabry, I mean, I think that Dana is going to get more tick this upcoming season. Again, like her scoring ability, it's just something else. But I'm just, I, I am curious about how all this is going to look on the floor, and we'll have all season for that. But coming off of this, Chris, what would is there a grade that you would give the Chicago Sky after? All these moves have gone down. Maybe it's too early. There's still some money left on the table. But do you, like, how do you feel about the Sky's offseason right here just to finish it up? Well, you know, I you, you can grade trades all you want, but until the actual results come through, you can't say whether they were successful or not. Mm-hmm. However, losing the talent that they lost and given who they replaced it with, I give it a C, C minus, just because you, you, I think you still have to, have to, have to, get back Z you got a good C back in order to retain some continuity and really put yourself in a good position to move forward with Kalia Copper and they weren't able to do that simple and plain and I, I wouldn't want to go back on how much I, I emphasized that point in our past episodes and then just forget about it here so even though they made some quality pickups we talked about Elizabeth Williams solid the Marina Mabry deal and the contract, honestly, outside of giving up the draft capital, decent, but with giving up the draft capital, yeah. So I say C. I'll be generous and say a C. I think it's hard to lose five of your six best players and then come out the other end with anything higher than a C minus. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, I would think a little bit harder about that, but I, it's hard to disagree with you with every all those points that you just made. And I know that there's a lot of people that are questioning the draft pick side of this. I get that a lot, just given like what's coming up the pipeline the next couple of years. But I hope that you all also remember that Maria Mabry is someone that's going to be really fucking good for the Chicago sky in 2023. And beyond that, I don't, I like, I don't mind the contract at all. And I think that should be viewed as a plus with all of this, even though it's been a tough off season already. So Chris, Anything you want to say before we finish the pod? Yes, I'm going to shield from myself and my team. You see me wearing this double crossers t-shirt. If you don't know, now you know. Um, <laughs> the Windy City Rollers Women's Roller Derby Professional Organ. Oh, sorry. I was going to say professional organization. My bad. <laughs> this, the Windy City Rollers Women's Flat Track Derby Association team, your local team, is starting our travel season very soon. But we've got our home season in full swing. 
And February 18th and March 4th, we will be at Max McCook Sports Exposition Center, 4750 Vernon Avenue in McCook, Illinois. And then we'll close out our home season in which the double crossers will make it three of the last four Ivy King Cups, and that'll be March 25th at Credit Union One Arena, formerly known as the Mecca of Roller Derby in Chicago, which is UIC Pavilion. So if you need to know about tickets, if you need to know about the double crossers, assassin season in full effect, if you need to know about roller derby, hit me on Twitter. Hit James on Twitter. He'll at least direct you to me. Or he'll spin you a fanciful story of the last time that he played roller derby. Either way, Wandery Kitten, that's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten on Twitter, or the man, the founder, often imitated, never duplicated. Don't jump in his DMs. You know what the deal is. The man is taken. The man is spoken for. The man is not trying to check for you. James underscore M underscore K-A-Y. I'm already so tired from this morning because I didn't, I couldn't sleep. And I usually see that ending coming. <laughs> it just smacked me in the face once again. So congratulations. They are the James DMs. <laughs> Let the man live. Let the man sleep, bro. Like uh, y'all are keeping him up with all of your thirstiness. <laughs> People, get a sprite. Obey your thirst. The Skyhook is not affiliated with Sprite. <laughs> this is not a sponsorship. Um, said to throw that one out there. Sorry, bet stamp. No, just joking. <laughs> You're a wild one. That's why I fucking love you, Chris Pennant. Um, <laughs> on that note. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Skyhook Podcast. If you want to contact us or have any questions, we're going to be doing a mailbag soon. Hit us up at the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. If you could take a second to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, we would really appreciate it. That helps us being able to get more sponsorships like Bedstamp. So, if you could do that, we would appreciate it. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find our link tree in the episode description. Thanks for sticking with us with this one. And until next time.